inspirational and instructional. Dr. Joe Schwartz's book, Super Radiant, sold on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, gives a step-by-step approach to finding your bliss through TM. Hi, everybody. Dr. Joe Schwartz uh, talking to you today on my podcast, Mental Resilience Through Meditation. Today's topic is going to be on world peace. What a timely topic if uh, you even happen to listen to the news lately. So uh, but before I get into that, I just want to summarize what we talked about last time. We talked about spirituality. And, it, it, and in a way, it, all these topics that I've been talking about, resilience, spirituality, and mental health, they all blend together. And if they blend together to produce a person that is acting in an optimally high-functioning way for one person, it it can work for millions of people. So just to sum up, spiritual people make healthier choices. They uh, roll their life with kindness. They avoid unhealthy behaviors. And research shows that people who have these tenets or practice a religion or a faith tradition, they tend to smoke and drink less. They don't commit crimes. Um, and they, it, it, they, they take care of themselves from taking vitamins to wearing seatbelts. Spirituality will help you live longer. There's a positive relationship between being religious and spiritual. And last but not least, forgiveness is good medicine. Now, if we could just broadcast that to about a billion people in this world, how much, how much better would the world be? Letting go of blame, negative feelings after a hurtful infant, in, incident is a practice that is reflected by a number of spiritual traditions, including Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, and modern science shows the benefits of forgiveness, better immune function, longer lifespan, lowering blood pressure. So today we're going to talk about how being an individual who is spiritual, being an individual who is resilient, being an individual who has good mental health, and who, of course, practices TM, how this can expand for the whole world, for your country, for your state, for the whole world. And... um, I think it's, it, today's podcast is very timely because it, it, right now the world with, with, I guess, two or three major conflicts going on, the first, of course, is the Middle East and then the Ukraine, and then there's always the chance that there may be a conflict in Asia over Taiwan. Uh, has there ever been... A, I'm going to examine, firstly where I believe world peace starts. And my strong, strong, strong belief is that the answer to the, to the question of world peace, and it's been talked about many, over many centuries, really begins with you. Do you want peace? Do you want peace through yourself? Okay? If you want peace for yourself, uh, you can't force that peace onto your neighbor But that's where it begins, because if enough people want peace for themselves and not hate and not violence, okay, if if enough people um, want uh, a solution, 
rather than just hate, hate and rage, then we're all going to be better off. But that's a choice that all of us has to make. And unfortunately, we could have... Let, I'll give you a quick example, a timely example. Let's say 60% of all the Palestinians in the Middle East want peace. But 40% are, are full of rage and full of hate, and the media only focuses on them, and that just builds, okay? So the more we focus on the things that we don't want, and this I've said this to all my patients, the more it grows. If you want peace in your life, focus on peace. If you want communication in your life, focus on communication, and that's where you're going to move. You're going to move in the direction of your predominant thought. So let's go, now that we've asked that question, which is an individual question, whether you want peace, let's, let's look at the efforts over history to attain world peace. So the, the, early, the earliest efforts, I think, came out of the, the last two major world wars, World War I and World War II. The, the, the immediate um, resultant of World War II was the creation of the United Nations. And this was a vision that Woodrow Wilson had back in um, the First World War. But it really got going after the Second World War. And all these countries came together and decided, you know, we're going to talk and communication is important, and we have that forum. Of course, we all know what the, universe, what the United Nations has become. It's really become a lot more political than actually promoting world peace. They have peacekeepers all over the place. But um, the, it's really kind of a, a nice body, but it's a powerless body, because even... They can have all these Security Council resolutions. Not everyone is going to abide by them or they'll object to them. So it becomes kind of like a symbolic desire, okay, which is good. I mean, talking is always better than exploding bombs, I suppose. But um, after, after the 1940s, what other efforts were there to to promote world peace. We all know the evolution of the atomic bomb, how the Soviet Union and the United States have them. There's always a threat of mutual destruction. And we had a wonderful president named John Kennedy in the 1960s. Um, we had the unfortunate Cuban Missile Crisis where we were on the verge of nuclear annihilation over a showdown with the United States and, and the Soviet Union over these missiles in Cuba, and of course we had missiles in Turkey aimed at the Soviet Union. So um, after that, after that really close call, um, Kennedy's efforts really bore fruit in 1963. The Soviet Union, Great Britain, United States initialed a treaty outlaw outlawing nuclear explosions in and out of space. 107 nations subscribed to it. So um, the test ban treaty that we had with the Soviet Union was another attempt. But um, th those were more recent. In, in the past, um, historians, um, they've really been, unfortunately, coming to the same conclusion that much of recorded history 
um, has been filled with imperial and colonial occupations. Powerful nations use their force to rule over others. And, you know, there were relatively peaceful periods in history, certain periods under the Roman Empire, the so-called long peace after World War II, the relatively war-free state of politics, okay? There was one super powerful nation, and then there were two, and now there's a lot. So they say that the only reliable way to avoid war is to have global empires ruling by force, okay? And, you know, we've tried that in over the last 50 years, and we, what, what I'm trying to present here is that, you know, we, we all have forces, we all have armies, we all have nuclear weapons and missiles, all of us, all the countries in the world, especially the major countries. But what's behind the missiles? What's behind the arms? Okay, what's, what's behind the arms are people and personalities. Okay, and if you, if you, there are dictatorships in this country, I mean, how many democracies do we have in the world? I mean, I can count maybe on one or two hands. And, you know, so-called bad actors. And, but who are the bad actors and who are the good actors? They're all people, aren't they? So to figure this out, in my opinion, um, we, we, we have to understand, and I got into this in spirituality, that it's not countries, it's humankind. And let me just quote a paragraph here from a very interesting article I found online. Um, one thing that needs to be figured out, if we humankind are ever going to be managed in a more peaceful world, it's how we can peacefully move on from historical injustices. There's a moral dilemma involved in this. On the one hand, if people keep holding grudges or the wrongs or, uh, that they or their people have suffered in the past, or for present-day disadvantages that stem from those wrongs, then peace is always going to be tenuous. Real, lasting, stable peace requires trust, solidarity among people, and those things quickly unravel if old grudges are constantly resurfacing. Now, in, in my 30-plus years of counseling families and couples and individuals, the word grudge, the word... Uh, unhappiness has come up maybe a million times. So isn't it interesting how countries, leaders of countries, people, people in power, and, and communities all have grudges and all feel that they've been the victim of injustices. And if you're going to really move on and have a wonderful world and have a good world, all of us have to realize that Yes, there has been injustices, there's been genocide, there's been terrible killings, but we shouldn't forget what happened. But it's also, a, um, at the same time, it's a blessing to forget and move on into something new and not to repeat the genocide of the past. But to do that, you can't hold on to it. You have to have a new vision and... and People have grudges, they, they hate their family members. When I counseled people, I told them all the time, you know, you have to give that up. You have to try to communicate here and now and kind of take a big step back. You know, the grudges and the problems that you're having with your family, 
are they that important? So it, it's not easy to say, you know, when there's genocide, for example, well, that's not an important thing. But what I've said a, a minute ago, the point of the future is, is that the past is dead. You don't forget the genocide. You don't want to have it repeated. And you don't bring it up yeah, um, old problems need to be resolved. And, but you see, the problem is, is that people want to hold on to the past. People don't want to talk. And, um, and, and then, of course, religion can be good and bad. I mean, most of our Judeo-Christian religions, uh, I think I'm accurate in saying, have promoted peaceful coexistence, the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Judaism, all religions, even Islam, uh, and of course the Eastern religions have always promoted harmony and peace and compassion. But all religions, Islam included, you know, they want peace, promote peaceful solutions. But you know, there, uh, unfortunately, there was a time even in Christianity where there were extremists during the time of the Crusades, maybe the 10th, 11th, and 12th century, that killing and um, restoring the Holy Land from Mother Church, um, uh, where, you, where they um, invaded the Holy Land and fought the, the, um, the Muslims. Um, so that was done at, under the auspices of the Church. But that's one time in history. And of course, there's an element within Islam, for example, that encourages this jihad, which is a holy war. So what's the choice that we have? Okay, the choice that we have is to understand that, yes, religion can be good, but, you know, religion can be used for bad things as well. So does this mean we give up religion? No. It means that you practice your religion, but you practice it within the confines of accepting all the other religions and all the other practices that the rest of humankind have, whether you believe in Jainism or Buddhism or Hinduism. It doesn't matter. No one's bothering you when you practice Islam. No one's bothering you when you practice Judaism. Um, you don't have to worry about other people's religion, um, and why why be in conflict with that? Okay, so it's easy for me talking on this podcast today to speak in a sensible manner, but of course, not everyone's going to understand that. Their emotions run high among a lot of religious groups in the Middle East, or. In, in totalitarian states where they really don't care about your religious beliefs or about your right to, um, to, to have your own territory, like in the Ukraine or in Taiwan. You know, they feel, some nation states feel, and I'm talking about, I guess, Russia and um, China, they feel that this is their land, they want it back. But, you know, you could think that way, and people are behind those decisions. And it's a selfish way.
way of thinking, in my opinion. And are there many selfish people in the world? That seems to be a problem, isn't it? Because everyone wants what they want, but they don't want to live, um, but they don't, they don't want to respect the rights that there are different opinions. So how do we change all this? Well, we've tried diplomacy, we've tried peace treaties, um, which is great. Anytime you're trying to reason and talk, in my opinion, is better than fighting. Fighting really is the last resort. And um, the concept of enemies, you know, sworn enemies, is I think something that as a TM meditator, I learned very early on from the teachings of, of all the sages of India and, and Maharishi and Guru Dev. You know, the, the whole point of starting as a meditator is to understand you're purifying yourself you're reducing stress for yourself. You're creating coherence for your stress. For yourself, you're creating happiness. And your enemies, the point is not to make more enemies, but to befriend your enemy. Now, how do you befriend your enemy? Well, sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes it means um, um, putting your own ego on, in the back seat. And like I said before, removing grudges, right? And moving forward. And not, not everyone on this planet is capable of doing that. But I think the thing that I want to talk about and, and emphasize is that there is a way out of this. And the way out of this can only be, in my opinion, is enough people decide to evolve to higher states of consciousness in the world. And the only way you're going to be doing that it doesn't mean you have to give up your religion, by the way. It's through practicing TM, because TM helps you gain such wonderful coherence in your mind. It helps you to be happier every day. It helps you solve problems. And um, if enough people do it, we'll have the super radiance effect. So I'm going to get into the coherence in your brain and the super radiance effect in just a minute. We're going to take a quick break. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Super Radiant by Dr. Joe Schwartz, sold on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, opens the works of TM as a path to daily relaxation and stress relief. Dr. Joe Schwartz continuing on the World Peace Podcast and uh, I'd like to talk about what super radiance is. And um, before I can talk about that, um, I, I'd like to tell you, uh, you first must understand what coherence is in the brain. And so many studies have been done on what, uh, on what TM can do for your brain. Uh, uh, decades of study have shown that... Um, and uh, using EEG alpha, 
alpha wave measurements. Um, and, and, and what they found is coherence in the brain is really defined as brain waves from different regions of the brain are compared. And the more the similarity, the greater the coherence, the more efficiency the neurons in your brain are communicating. So using EEG attached to the scalp, we can see this at various levels of, of consciousness. So uh, um, as, as we, in, in waking consciousness, there are very lively levels of EEG. And then we, as we go deeper um, into more relaxed states, we call that alpha, okay? And uh, it, it, it's shown that uh, with when you meditate in particular, the brain is working better. There's a very high EEG alpha coherence uh, shown to correlate um, in, in the brain with other parts of the brain. And when you have that high level of alpha EEG alpha coherence, um, studies have shown that there's a higher degree of cre creativity, higher moral reasoning, reasoning increased IQ, better grade point averages. So, you know, the, the, the phrase, you're operating on all eight cylinders, is really a reality. Um, the brain is able to take care of tasks, crucial tasks, a lot more efficient, efficiently. But what's interesting, and, um, and this was an experiment, and I'm going to repeat the experiment that I talk about in my book, Super Radiant, A Doctor's Personal Journey, I'm going to tell you, it, what they found was is that um, this high level of coherence can be transferred to non-meditators. It can be transferred to people that aren't doing anything. So let me explain. Back in 2018, they had a retreat for TM um, participants. And um, everyone was sitting seated in a meeting hall. And they decided to do a demonstration. There was a man sitting in the chair, and he had his electrodes attached to his brain. And um, while he was sitting in this chair, his coherence, um, this was without practicing TM, um, was, uh, was a very high level of active EEG waves. He was sitting in the chair. And he wasn't asked to practice TM at all. But um, what, what they found was everyone around him, I think there were like 49 or 50 people. So there were 49 people around him. Uh, they were asked to start practicing TM. But, of course, the gentleman in the chair wasn't asked to do anything. But what they found was that halfway through the meditation, um, his brain waves became remarkably more steady, a clear contrast from when we're not meditating. So without, without even doing anything, um, you can achieve steady EEG, relaxed state, um, more coherent brain waves with everyone just meditating, doing the TM technique around you, okay? So what does this mean? I mean, translate, instead of having 49 people around you, let's say it's, um, uh, a, you know, a thousand. And let's say there's maybe 25 people 
in the center who that aren't meditating. So those thousands, or maybe a hundred, so that thousand can influence that hundred who aren't even meditating. And if you translate that to the rest of the world with billions and billions of people, what they have found is, and, and, and this, this technique of meditating to improve the life of other people has been studied. It's been studied, um, the, the positive effect of meditation has been, has been confirmed in about 50 studies in city, state, and local communities uh, dating back to 1974. And um, they found that if they had 1% of a town's population, for example, they noted that um, negative trends like crime, violence, and other behavioral indicators of societal stress were reversed, indicating greater and increased order and harmony in the collective confidence. Okay? Um, so, just all these people meditating at the same time, okay, in a group, day after day, will have a very positive effect on the rest of the community and the rest of the world. Now, if we spread that out, and I'd like to talk about um, other studies that have been done um, about this collective meditation. Um, back in 1983... They even did it in Lebanon, okay, where they had a, um, a large group of advanced meditators um, meditating in Lebanon that, the, um, that when everyone meditated together, war deaths um, dropped by 76%. There was, a, um, there was a big drop in the stress in that region of the world. So even in one of the worst regions of the world, the war-related fatalities reduced by 71%. War-related injuries fell by 68%. Level of conflict dropped by 48%. Cooperation among antagonists increased by 66%. Now, in my opinion, if that can happen in Lebanon, and, and from 1983, I don't think things have changed that much in Lebanon. And... Um, in 2003, they did a study on the um, effect of TM on global terrorism. So um, the global influence uh, on, on terrorism showed that with, when enough people, 1% of the, of, the, of the targeted population, the square root of 1%, meditated, they found a 72% reduction in worldwide terrorism doing these three TM assemblies that took place during a two-week period, each assembly had approached or exceeded the participation threshold of 8,000 predicted to create a global influence of peace. So that's what the scientists have determined, that you need anywhere between 8,000 to 10,000 advanced meditators practicing in one place to influence the whole world. And there has been very positive scientific evidence to support this. Another study was done in between 1993 and 1999. They had um, 800 to 4,000 meditators, and violent crime uh, steadily dropped during that period. So um, there, there was also a, a decrease 
in motor vehicle fatalities, violent crime rate, homicide. They did a study in Cambodia between 1993 and 2005, and that showed a big reduction in socio-political violence. So that is the, the, the equation is the square root of 1%. And I'm, I'm very happy to report that um, 10,000 uh, meditators are expected to gather, advanced meditators are expected to gather in India the end of this year. And we know that based on the world's population, that's the square root of 1%. So it'd be interesting to see what the end of December is going to look like in terms of improving um, peace in the, in the world. So let me just get into what super radiance is now that I've given you some examples of it. But let me just define it. Super radiance is an extraordinary positive effect. And this comes from an article that I got online from the World Peace Group. It's an extraordinary positive effect radiated to the rest of society by a group of specially trained meditators. This unique effect only takes place when a sufficient number of these meditators form a group to practice meditation together at the same time and on a daily basis. Um, and uh, it, it's this, this TM City technique, and the people, the advanced meditators are called cities, TM city um, practitioners, and they also found that this technique stimulates highly coherent brain waves for the individual meditator, okay? And highly coherent brain, uh, the highly coherent brain has access to higher mental and emotional uh, faculties, which we just talked about. There was a study done in 1978 in Rhode Island the combined index of social statistics, including crime rates, car accidents, unemployment pollution, all, re all were reduced when they had that, the square root of 1% impact in the state of Rhode Island. So it's a, a powerful brainwave effect. And, you know, people say, well, how do you know, how can this possibly be happening? How can brainwaves affect anyone in anything. But when you think about it, and I've said this to so many people, when you turn on the radio or when you turn on the television set, you can't see the waves going in and out of the television or the, the radio. We as human beings have waves, have vibes. I mean, you walk up to someone on the street, I get a good vibe from them. I don't, okay? So... Let me just give you some more um, information about it. Um, if we want to have um, a reduction in crime and an increase in positivity in the United Kingdom, for example, you need at least 750 advanced meditators. In the United States, you need 18,000, uh, uh, 1,800, I'm sorry. And in, for the world, all you need is 9,300. And I'm proud to say that the end of the year, they're going to have 10,000 meditators converge in India. So let's see what happens. But the point is, since this is a podcast about world peace, whatever, and I've said this to all my patients, if, if whatever in your life isn't working, you have to try something different. Whatever we've tried in the history of the world, um, 
We've tried treaties. We've tried peace agreements. Uh, we've tried to wipe out despots and dictators. Um, the only way you really affect change in the world, in my opinion, is if the world, is if people decide they want to be something else. Okay? And the only way you can decide to be something else is to make a choice to improve who you are. And if you want to expand your consciousness and get the big picture, the way to do that is, is through TM. And doing that, you'll be more resilient, you'll be more spiritual. Um, I, myself, in my book, I also encourage people to exercise, and if they have personal problems, to talk to someone. That's only three things. But the point I'm trying to make today in this podcast is that world peace can definitely be attained. And it doesn't necessarily mean that every single person on the planet has to meditate, even though they should. It doesn't necessarily mean that every single person on the planet gives up grudges or hatred. But if you surround all those people physically with enough people that want peace and do this technique, you're going to see some wonderful and special results. And that's my prediction. So the answer really is about people. Getting back to my original statement. Now, you can be part of the solution or part of the problem, or you could just be neutral. Uh, but I like, I like to believe that what I do every day, morning and evening, um, is having some effect on the rest of the world. Since I meditate as an advanced meditator with hundreds and thousands of people around the world. Now, let, let me just make one other point if people are thinking about this. This is not a religion. Uh, TM is completely a-religious, and it's also not a political statement, even though I give examples of political events in the world. You don't have to change your politics. It doesn't mean you have to become an independent or a Democrat or a Republican. You don't have to change your religion. Um, if anything, if you practice TM, it probably will deepen your religion. But the point is, we all have to start to do something as humankind to evolve. And that's the key word, evolution. Um, evolution doesn't just stop here. There's a technique that's given to us, okay, and that's provided to us, that all of us uh, uh, as individuals can start practicing now. And not only will you do something very positive and peaceful for yourself, you'll be doing it for the rest of the world. Thank you. Dr. Joe Schwartz found transformation in his daily life through TM. Read his compelling story, Super Radiant, sold on Amazon and Barnes & Noble.